Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, welcome in to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Very happy to be here with you on this May the 4th. Yeah, that's right. Today is... Break out the lightsabers and may the 4th be with you. It's National Star Wars Day today. May the 4th be with you, a phrase that's led to may the 4th becoming known as Star Wars Day. I am the Father. Celebrate all things pertaining to a galaxy far, far away. Okay. What if we did a show about Star Wars? Laugh it up, fuzzball. Showtime. Yes. National Star Wars Day is upon us here on the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Happy to be with you. Uh, and yeah, mentioning the Thrill Me Podcast Network, uh, probably a good time to mention to go and like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on the YouTube. Also, we're on TikTok, Thrill Me Podcast Network, so give us a search there. It's uh, pretty great TikToks. You can see uh, Zach, Brooke, Brooke too, myself, out and about at Red Bane Haunt this past weekend for their halfway to Halloween. We got a fun TikTok up there, uh, as well as all the coverage on our Facebook and our YouTube. Plus, when you like us, you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We got shows Monday, Tuesday, today on this Wednesday, May the 4th, as well as Thursday. And then Friday, we give you a recap of everything Bay Bay. That's how we do. So yes, with National Star Wars Day here, I uh, figured it would be fun to talk some Star Wars facts uh, things that maybe you don't know because mentalfloss.com uh, put together a list of 65 facts about the franchise that might surprise you. Now, I'm not going to do all 65. That would be freaking crazy and we'd be here for well over an hour and trying to keep this week to a nice crisp 30 minutes because I'm very exhausted. I was up till midnight and then up at 3 in the morning, so... I want to get this episode done, uh, have some fun with you guys, and then I'm going to go sleep. So here's some fun Star Wars facts for you as uh, let's get the music going again. Uh, with May the 4th, your first Star Wars fact, George Lucas used real World War II footage of aerial battles for the space battles. Did you know that? Also... Did you know Obi-Wan Kenobi was originally supposed to survive his lightsaber battle with Darth Vader in A New Hope? Yeah, that was a thing. Also, Harrison Ford's casting as Han Solo was totally accidental. I mean, that's a story that I feel like everybody knows, but if you don't, Ford was there to just help feed lines to actors that were auditioning for the role of Han Solo. One of those actors auditioning that almost portrayed Han Solo was a very young Kurt Russell. George ended up liking Harrison Ford's delivery, put him in the role. The rest is history. Another fast fact, or another fact, I don't know why I called it a fast fact, but another fact, in early drafts of the screenplay, Yoda's name was Buffy, which eventually turned into Minch Yoda then eventually just Yoda. But yeah, Buffy. Buffy the Yoda Slayer. Also, George originally wanted Jim Henson to play Yoda. So uh, yeah, that 
makes sense. You know, Jim Henson playing Yoda. Uh, also, 11-year-old Warwick Davis was originally just an Ewok extra, but he got cast as Wicked after Kenny Baker, R2-D2, got food poisoning. That I did not know. I knew Warwick Davis rocked it out. You know, I know a lot of things about the Leprechaun. I love Warwick Davis, baby. So, yeah, that's how uh, he ended up getting that role. Uh, Benicio Del Toro, he popped up in The Last Jedi as the character DJ. But did you know he was originally supposed to play Darth Maul? He only dropped out after most of the lines were cut. So Benicio Del Toro almost played Darth Maul in episode one. And uh, speaking of uh, a young Han Solo... Uh, as we were talking about Han Solo before, uh, a young Han Solo was supposed to be in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, probably would have made the ease into that Han Solo movie a lot easier if we had already seen a younger version of the character. Even though that Solo movie isn't the worst thing. Uh, not the best thing, but isn't the worst thing. It's just, meh, it's there. Uh, and I'll talk about the movies here in just a minute as well for May the 4th. Uh, but I got two more facts for you. This one I feel like a lot of people know, but in case you don't know it, The Force Awakens has many, many cameos like Bill Hader, Daniel Craig, and Simon Pegg. Uh, Hader does BB-8. Daniel Craig is the uh, stormtrooper that uh, Ray uses the Force on. And Simon Pegg is the Junker that uh, Ray talks to in the beginning when uh, she's bringing the junk to him and he's like, no, 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 I ain't giving you any money. Uh, and then finally, uh, the last fact I pulled that I thought was very interesting, Peter Mayhew was cast as Chewbacca primarily because of his height. He was seven foot three. So, makes sense. Logical casting. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, before we talk about the movies, uh, I do want to talk about this because I, I thought this was cool. Uh, all the tie-ins with Star Wars, everything that's happened commercially. Uh, I got really excited when I saw this tie-in. Uh, and I know that this is something that I am definitely going to jump in on when it becomes available. At the Star Wars Tanning Salon, we use the force of light speed tanning bed technology to give you a quick all-over tan that's better than laying out under the twin suns of Tatooine. And at Star Wars Tanning, you'll never have to deal with irritating sand people. Plus, in our waxing bay, if you're a little hairy down there, our waxing Jedis are expertly trained to get you as smooth as a Lando Calrissian pickup line. Star Wars Tanning, where it's okay to go to the dark side. Want to go to the dark side with that? <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the movies a little bit here, uh, because this has become a big thing over the years. Ranking the movies, so I figured, why the hell not? Let me re-rank the Star Wars films because my ranking on these has changed over time. I remember when the Last Jedi came out, exactly how annoyed I was. I wasn't a part of the toxic fandom, but I definitely was on the wow. Uh, I don't like that, and that might be one of the worst Star Wars movies I've seen, but as time goes on and as I sat more on the film and I've rewatched the film a few times, I realized that a few of these films that I have not enjoyed over the years actually might be better than I thought, and, and I thought it would be fun to re-rank my Star Wars movies uh, and 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 how much I enjoy these, uh, because for the longest time as well, I used to argue Return of the Jedi was one of the best Star Wars films uh, and was my personal favorite. But 
I, I, I'm not that big of a Return of the Jedi guy anymore. So yeah, let's go through it. Uh, let's start with number 10. Uh, this one hasn't changed over the time uh, and over the years. It's Attack of the Clones, episode two. Not a big fan of that of that film. Uh, I know many people aren't as well. So yeah, Attack of the Clones is definitely my least favorite. At number nine, or I sh- I'm sorry, I should say, at number nine was Attack of the Clones because I'm not doing... I forgot to mention, I'm only doing the Skywalker saga. I know I tease Solo, but I'm not doing those films. So Attack of the Clones is nine. Uh, Rise of Skywalker is number eight for me. Uh, I really did not enjoy the conclusion of that. I felt that that whole thing was very mumble jumble. And yeah, by the end of that little trilogy there, the Ray portion of the Skywalker saga, I was... Not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, at number seven, The Phantom Menace. I- episode one, you know, I-, I actually have softened over the years on episode one. Uh, I-, I don't think it's as bad. I can see the groundwork that's being laid out by George Lucas and and what he's setting up for the three films, but kind of like what ends up happening with the rise of Skywalker happens with attack of the clones. It gets very, what the hell is going on here? And this isn't what I signed up for. And no, um, that, yeah, that's why that's, you know, so, so I've softened on the phantom menace over the years. Uh, at number six is the force awakens. I've, I've lessened on this film. This used to be in my top three, now it's sitting at number six because, well, it's just a retread of a film that I already like. It is a reboot. Kevin Smith in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. The joke with Brody is 100% true. The Force Awakens is just episode one or episode four, however you want to look at it. It's just the original film all over again. Uh, coming in at number five, this is where Return of the Jedi fell from number one to number five for me. So I got Return of the Jedi uh, right there at five. I love the film. I really do. But, you know, it's all right. Uh, Which means this is where it's going to get a little controversial because at number four, I have Revenge of the Sith. And again, through doing the whole rewatch of these films uh, and rewatching them recently, I think Revenge of the Sith is, I think we were just annoyed with one and two at that point that, we're like, well, three is just good by default. No, three is good. It is, you know, like, yeah, two becomes mumbo jumbo, but the things that he sets up in the first film are all coming true. And it's also very much in line with what goes on as opposed to what the newer trilogy did, which stayed in line with the force awakens. Uh, and then my number three movie, the last Jedi took a real cool turn with it, but then with The Rise of Skywalker, they undid the cool stuff that was done. Uh, yeah, so, mm. but Revenge of the Sith is four, The Last Jedi is three, and yeah, that's one that I, I really have grown to appreciate because of the fact that we had the same thing with The Force Awakens, uh, with it being Star Wars, and then the last Jedi came in and did not do the Attack of the Clones thing, and did not do, and and really did an Empire Strikes Back thing, where it set up this really cool taking the stories 
progressing them, introducing new themes, new ideas, uh, stuff that we, you know, really expand the Star Wars universe. Like, it was a legitimate sequel. Yeah, sure, Space Leia, Superman, you know, Saved by the Sun, whatnot type crap was a little annoying and frustrating. But at the end of the day, all of that film is a really good sequel that is expanding the universe. And everybody freaked out because of that, which meant they tried to course correct with The Rise of Skywalker. And that's why that film sits closer to the bottom for me, because it turns into Attack of the Clones, where it's a lot of what the f- are we watching here? Uh, number two on my list now is The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, that has stayed at number two, so there's not a change there. I mean, that's a classic movie. Uh, but now sitting at number one for me, instead of Return of the Jedi, is the original Star Wars. So, yeah, I, I switched it up to the original Star Wars. I think that film, you know, it, it's what kicked it all off, man. So that's why it's sitting at number one for me. I don't really need to explain any more of that, but that's my Star Wars ranking, so I expect people are going to be pissed because I put Revenge of the Sith and The Last Jedi at 4 and 5, and I dared to put The Rise of Skywalker and The Force Awakens uh, in my lower half of the nine-film Skywalker saga rankings. All right, let's move into some news before we uh, get into the one review I have this week. I'm going to review The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, So, yeah, let's get into the headlines. Uh, First up, sticking with the Star Wars theme on this National Star Wars Day and May the 4th be with you and all that stuff. Uh, The Obi-Wan trailer dropped. Really sweet trailer. Uh, I'll try not to give spoilers because I actually know some people that are trying not to watch the trailer and don't want to see what happened in it. But cool teases. Uh, We get a little bit more. We see a little bit more of where this show is going to be going, uh, what's going to be happening, certain interactions with characters that we were curious about. We got some answers on and we got some answers on some other characters uh, being introduced, returning characters, things like that. So a pretty cool trailer. Uh, I definitely am very excited for that. I know episode one and two are going to drop on the same day here in a few weeks on Disney Plus. So can't wait for Obi-Wan. Another trailer dropped, the Daniel Radcliffe starring as Weird Al Yankovic in an upcoming biopic about the legendary musician comedian uh, ahead of the film's premiere this fall on the Roku channel. So yeah, the first trailer is here and we get to see Daniel Radcliffe uh, as Weird Al in the Hawaiian shirt with the mustache and the Jerry Curl I, it's absolutely everything that you had hoped it would be. It looks weird. No pun intended on that. It looks incredible. It looks like Daniel Radcliffe, everything that you see. It looks like he is having a blast. And why wouldn't he? You get to play an accordion-wielding Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, but the story itself is... uh. The film is called Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story. It was written by him himself. Uh, The movie is all about uh, looking at it. They say it's going to hold nothing back, exploring every facet of Yankovic's life, from his rise to fame with early hits like Eat It and Like a Surgeon to his torrid celebrity love affairs. I didn't even know the guy had celebrity love affairs 
and torrid ones at that. Like, that's what? Uh, and his famously depraved lifestyle. Well, what? Uh, this is promising to be uh, a really fun movie. And again, it's coming to the Roku channel, so it's going to be free, and it's coming later this fall. I can't wait for that. But in addition to Radcliffe, uh, Weird also stars Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna. Like, holy crap, okay. And Rain Wilson as Yankovic's hero and mentor, the radio host, Dr. Demento. Okay, sign me up for this. I'm in. I cannot wait for this movie to come out. Uh, again, fall, get here, October, I need you to get here. Oh my goodness. It is going to be as wild as the movie I'm going to review it in, in, in a little bit. Unbearable weight of massive talent. So get ready for that. Uh, other cool news to get to this week. If you uh, enjoyed James Gunn's The Suicide Squad and the spinoff series Peacemaker, uh, get ready for another spinoff from The Suicide Squad, the Amanda Waller-focused Peacemaker spinoff uh, with Viola Davis in talks to return as the title character. Uh, allegedly, she will return. She'll also produce the show, but James Gunn, when he was stuck in in quarantine, uh, he came up with Peacemaker and started coming up with the whole other show as well, and that's the Amanda Waller spinoff. Uh, he, he kind of teased this actually back in, I believe it was January, um, where he mentioned that he had two possible new DC projects in the works, uh, and it appears one of them is coming through uh, with this one, and as well as Peacemaker Season 2. So that's cool because where Peacemaker left off, you know, not to spoil the ending of that, there's, there was a big question mark with Amanda Waller, and what comes next. So I'm excited to see what comes next. I'm happy James Gunn is involved in it. Uh, I mean, the guy has become one of the go-to for uh, quirky, weird, banter-driven comedy within the superhero movies. Like, he's kind of been the go-to guy for him and Taika Waititi have turned into the two hey, you want a really funny, really clever, really heartfelt, driven superhero thing? Get them, and they're going to make it happen. So uh, I, I hope Viola Davis comes to an agreement. I'm sure that they will. It's probably more than likely going to happen over there for HBO Max. But yeah, we're going to get the Amanda Waller-focused Peacemaker spinoff show, and I am into that. Now, something I'm not into is... The fact that I saw a show that I am a big fan of uh, turn into the toxic internet community that everything that people love tends to turn into. It happens with everything from sports to politics uh, to haunted attractions. I mean, I've, I've experienced the Halloween Horror Nights community absolutely implode on itself in a way that is comical. Because they all point the fingers so hard that it's the Spider-Man meme of pointing back at each other with the way that they attack each other sometimes. So I was not happy to see that the Walking Dead fandom 
uh, slid into this category of online toxicity uh, to the point where they targeted Norman Reedus and Norman Reedus had to speak out all because the Walking Dead main show coming to an end and it was announced that there would be a Walking Dead spinoff series, the Daryl and Carol spinoff show. That would bring Norman Reedus and Melissa McBride, who plays Carol, back together for that series. Now, Melissa McBride had to exit the upcoming Walking Dead spinoff show because it's going to film overseas over in Europe, uh, in England, and she couldn't commit to that type of... I, I that type of she just couldn't make that commitment. She couldn't leave America, go overseas after giving 12 years in Atlanta to a show. And the thing with television shows like they're there longer than you are for a movie. So they're there, you know, they're they're giving up really half of the year, more than half of the year. That's why that's why. Rick left the show. That's what that's why Andrew Lincoln left the show when he did, because he had spent 10 years at that point, like nine years at that point, coming from England, living in America for six, seven, eight months, living in Atlanta, not seeing his family, going home. And the minute he goes home, he's getting the script for the next season and he's got to start learning, you know, and, and get right back to work. And about, you know, he gets like two months at home before he goes back to work. So it's it's a tough time, but the fandom online uh, really went after Norman Reedus, blaming him for the fact that she left the show, claiming that he somehow booked the show to take place in this other, and that's not the case at all. Like it, It's such a stupid argument from the fandom, and, and Norman Reedus actually spoke about it on Jimmy Fallon earlier in the week, and he talked about how, he, he mentioned it, the 12 years being down in Atlanta on a grueling schedule, she wanted to take time off, and that's what she's doing, and she deserves it. He hopes one day she returns to the Walking Dead world, but everybody needs to just take a chill pill. This isn't Norman Reedus strong-arming somebody out. It's really somebody who has dedicated so much time to a character, so many years to it, taking a break. Listen, if it's needing a break for mental, if it's needing a break because she doesn't want to leave her family behind, whatever it is, there's a reason she doesn't want to be a part of the show. And it was her decision to not be a part of the show. If it's because it's filming overseas and she doesn't want to make that commitment, again, her decision to do that. It's nobody's job on the show. Because I saw somebody online say that because when everybody started attacking Norman Reedus, he started liking people's praise that was like, hey, you know, it's very simple. She chose not to go because of the commitment she had made previously. She needed time off. But there were the people that were doing the, the crap of attacking him. And then when he liked those tweets, were like, oh, he's liking only people that are being nice to him. No shit. That's how that works. But then there were the people that AMC eventually came out and was like, hey, fans, Shut the hell up. Norman had nothing to do with this. This is what happened. She left because of personal reasons. Like she she chose not to be a part of it. The show's filming overseas. She won't she doesn't want to commit to that, and that's fine. Her decision. To where I saw somebody go, Well, you haven't told us why the show is going overseas. Yeah, because they're gonna tell you the entire reason why 
the show that they're working on, that's a new show to bring you it. Yeah, they're just going to tell you the fucking plot. Like, that's what they're going to do. They're just going to give you everything. Come on. Like, how stupid are people? I know, I know George Carlin, who uh, there was also a trailer for George Carlin's American Dream that dropped this week that was sick. I cannot wait to watch that uh, documentary on HBO. Uh, well, really on HBO Max when when it uh, debuts. But I know he made the comment of, yeah, there are idiots everywhere and they're the ones that vote. So uh, moving on to the last bit of news I got. Most of us, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, there is a good chance that you probably watched that 70s show growing up. Uh, well, they are making a sequel series for Netflix called That 90s Show and we... Knew that Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Joe Rupp were returning as Red and Kitty. I actually talked about that on one of the early episodes of this show that you can go back and listen to uh, any streaming platform wherever you're listening. That's like, subscribe. That's where you can listen to this show and always be alerted when you like and subscribe. Uh, also rate and review it and share it with friends. Uh, but they're not the only ones now. We have learned a lot more uh, in the past week because... Most of that 70s show gang is now going to be reunited on the Netflix series, That 90s Show. Topher Grace is coming back as Eric, uh, Mila Kunis as Jackie, Ashton Kutcher as Kelso, Laura Prepon as Donna, Wilmer Valderrama as Fez. All will be making guest appearances on this sequel series. Uh, the only missing one is Danny Masterson, Hyde. Uh, for obvious reasons, I'm not going to go into it. If you're listening to this show, you probably know. If you don't know, I'll let you do the research on why Danny Masterson is not going to be involved in the sequel series. Uh, now, Kurtwood Smith actually shared a sneak photo of himself and Deborah Joe on set uh, and uh, quoted it as same red and kitty, different decade. And yeah, it's... You can see the Point Place house right there. It is freaking awesome. And yeah, that 90 show will be 10 episodes. going to take place in Wisconsin in 1995. All about Leia. Circling it back around to the Star Wars talk here. Uh, the daughter of Eric and Donna as she spends the summer with her grandparents, Red and Kitty. So I'm pretty stoked on this. I was looking forward to that 90 show. I figured... Some of the original cast would come back, if not in the first season, then definitely in like season two, because I feel like this show is going to be a success and Netflix will probably bank on a second season. Although, uh, honestly, we could do a whole episode on how Netflix might be in trouble with the loss of subscriptions and everything that's going on there. And yeah, it's it's how much they spent on Stranger Things and what they're losing. Ooh, it's it's getting a little hairy over there. And Netflix might be the streamer in trouble the most right now, uh, especially now that you have HBO and Discovery merging into one big app. Uh, I see, I see, um, I believe I saw Stars is up for sale and Roku might be making a move to buy them as well. So the streaming wars are getting very interesting and Netflix right now seems to be in a weird position uh, especially after that latest report. So again, I could do a whole thing on the Netflix stuff because, yeah, there's a lot to digest with what's happening with them and their loss of subscribers and all the money they've been spending to the money they're not making back and the changes that they're making as well with the password sharing stuff and 
the extra fees and the ad supported content. So it's getting a little interesting over there at Netflix. Uh, now let's move into the last bit of the show uh, before we wrap things up. Finally got to see the ultimate Nick Cage film, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I got to say, this is a smart, funny, creative, super fun film. This is a movie that just knows exactly what it wants to be, is a love letter, uh, not just to Nick Cage. That's the thing. You might think, oh, it's a film about the extreme parody version of Nick Cage that we all have super created through memes and just this idea of who he must be with the way that he acts, that it's like, oh, he must be like that 24-7 and he's such an interesting guy and this and that. Like, It's not just a love letter to that creation of Nick Cage, but it's a love letter to, to films, to cinema, to all of it. It's, you know, like, don't get me wrong, it's a Nick Cage love letter but everything. You can be a Nick Cage fan and you will love it. You can be a non-Nick Cage fan like my fiance and absolutely love it. And, and it's not to say she's not a Nick Cage fan. Like her knowledge of Nick Cage is, oh, he's he's national treasure. Yes, he he's 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 national treasure one and two. He's also in Face Off. He's also in Con Air. He's also in uh, Leaving Las Vegas. He's also in Peggy Sue gets married. He's also in Raising Arizona. Like he's in Mandy. He's he, like there's there's a Nick Cage that's beyond just doing National Treasure films. So you know her her knowledge was just that, and she was still laughing. Now, granted, there's a re- there was a really funny moment kind of early on into the movie where I thought potentially she wouldn't enjoy it because somebody's watching Con Air and I started laughing and she was like, is that a real film or a fake film to where I went, oh my God, you are not going to like this film. But by the end of the movie, she loved it. And the reason she loved it is again, it's, it's not just a Nick Cage love letter, but it's a, it's, it's a cinema love letter. It's, if you are a movie fan, this film is made for you. It is character driven. It is, friendship driven it is actor driven like nick cage gives a wonderful performance of the extreme version of himself while not going too extreme uh but pedro pascal absolutely steals this film from everybody he steals it right out from under nick cage and it's his freaking movie and that's not a bad thing it's not because it's not to say Nick Cage performance is bad. Like everybody's performance is so strong in this film. Everybody knows what movie they are in, what they're making, and is just having so much fun while doing it. And again, it's just this this film that's a, a character driven buddy buddy film that has action to it, that that has so much heart and comedy. It's so much fun. I really did enjoy this movie. Uh, now there, you know, there are some moments of the film where it feels slightly draggy, but it's nothing too extreme. It doesn't kill the momentum, but the momentum does get slowed down at times. Uh, more so as we're starting to get from 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 Act Two into Act Three, it it gets a little weighed down. 
but nothing extreme, nothing that that makes you go, what the hell? Nothing that takes you out of it. Just maybe could have trimmed a little bit, but that is just the smallest of critiques. Uh, yeah, I give this film a four and a half out of five. Uh, you know, just really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, 100% recommend going to see it. If you could see it in theaters, definitely see it in theaters because there's there's just this glory that comes to seeing Nick Cage on the big screen doing his thing and just having such a blast and and you will just fall in love with Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal as a duo opposite each other like I need more of them in movies together it is just a fabulous movie uh really do recommend going to see it and uh yeah that's my thoughts on the unbearable weight of massive talent That'll do it for this week's Mr. Wonderful Show. Thank you so much for hanging out. Remember, Thrill Me Podcast Network on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Go ahead, give us a like, give us a follow, and subscribe to all of it. If you're listening to this show, hit subscribe wherever you are listening. Rate, review, and share the show with friends. And uh, that's about it. Got uh, new, uh, new episodes out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Uh, there's a new Haunters podcast as well that's out uh, today. It is the Mr. Wonderful Show Presents Haunters podcast. Uh, it's from Red Vane Haunts. And no, technically, I didn't pay for sponsorship. It's If you go listen to Haunters podcast, I had a moment. It's a thing. It happens on that show. There's a different variant of the guy you're listening to. Oh, and on that note, uh, definitely go and like all of our stuff. Uh, the Throw Me Podcast Network stuff because uh, speaking of variants, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness comes out this weekend and I believe we are doing a giant Throw Me Podcast Network review. So uh, we will spoil the S out of it. We will put the S in spoil, uh, but it'll be everybody. It'll be Tombstone Josh. It'll be Review Rob, myself, Zach, uh, maybe even both the Brooks. You never know uh, if both the Brooks want to take part in that type of conversation as well. So uh, that is something to look forward to. And yeah, I'll give I'll give a non-spoiler thoughts as well on this show. But the big one uh, will come through the Throw Me Podcast Network. So uh, until then, have a great week. Go listen to all of our shows and peace and love. <laughs> <laughs>